WFAE's David Borax has the story. Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston call their podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bakari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail in part over their beards, says Bakari. The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. R&D in the QC, episode 66. We welcome on Dr. Justin Harlow. We talk budget, music town hall, and Charlotte Checkers. Episode 66, R&D in the QC. We are back. Larkin. You just told me I was bringing it in. Well, now Did I've brought it already? in. I forgot. I thought you said you're bringing it in. I don't know. Well, now it's brought in, and we've got a very special guest today. Ladies Bring us in, Larkin. <laughs> we've got the good doctor. And the That's good right, doctor, folks. The good doctor. The good doctor, Justin Harlow, <laughs> representative of District 2. Glad made, to be back. Made himself a little announcement last week that, uh, that caught a lot of people off guard, and uh, there have been tears flowing ever since the announcement was made. A lot of sobbing. So... Uh, for any of our listeners who have missed all the national news coverage of this, let them know what, what you said. Tark, yes. Tark is such a crybaby over this, man. I really appreciate the love. <laughs> uh, so Don't leave me. I, uh, yes, uh, Friday, uh, a few media outlets uh, released my information that I am not running for re-election to the Charlotte City Council. To be fair, they fall. released it because you sent it to them. Yeah, I'm not sure they were kind of <laughs> like, breaking investigative news. We found out today. It was um, yeah. So WBTV and QCD Metro broke the news. I'm not running for re-election this fall. Um, so District Two will now have a new council member come December. Wow. Shame, man. It's a shame. Hey, man. You know, I I, I had you're long, one of our favorites. I appreciate that. And again, you know, I appreciate you know being on this show. I'm not a regular, but I, you know, I think it's my third or fourth. You're time more regular on this than thing. about anybody else in this hallway. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I've been getting a lot of support. Uh, this is really a, it's a family and business decision um, for me. I've been working on a deal over the past really four to five months or so. Uh, a lot is changing in the dental industry. Um, you know, the, I've been telling folks, you know, there's a reason why you don't have a private practice physician anymore. They're all rolled up under some group and some corporation. Uh, dentistry is in its early phases of that. And um, as these larger dental corporations come into the market, uh, I have to start thinking about what does that look like for me on a business front? Um, we're, we're starting a dental group. Uh, that's about all I can say right now. But um, Harlan, let's global. dig into that a little bit more, if you don't mind. <laughs> we're starting a group. It's going to have an opportunity for me to scale my brand, scale the business. 83 locations. And, um, Boom. In six countries. Build a Three platform continents. of practices. But uh, it, it's going to help pr- protect my family's First financial dentist future. in Antarctica ever. <laughs> that would be kind of interesting, actually. Polar bear teeth cleaning. What is it? Can you franchise this thing out? Can Larkin and I open maybe a couple Doc J branches? <laughs> so in dentistry? Do we need any sort of certification what? for that type of thing? No. In, in, in the state of North Carolina, uh, any dental practice must be, 51% of any dental practice must be owned by a dentist, but the other 49 can be owned by anybody. Perfect. I'll take that much, please. Here we go. You know, some of that fintech money would be nice. I'm just saying. Let's say, let's put it in there, man. <laughs> Fintech, short term. Teeth, long term. Forever. <laughs> it's supposed Especially to be. Especially if you sell dentures. <laughs> Boom. So that's exciting. I mean, so 
it, it all came up like inside the last four to six months and you really didn't have a line of sight that this could be a possibility before um, then? I, I think for me, uh, you know, something about me that maybe some people know and some don't, it's hard for me to say no to a lot of stuff. Um, I'm a big go-getter, even though I might be a quiet go-getter, but I'm a big go-getter. And um, I love I love comp- competition. I love competing and I love, you know, achieving things. And I think that's all of us up here, right? But uh, as we really start thinking about, you know, the time commitment associated with this and, and would I be doing a disservice to the community or not by, you know, going after what, what we're aggressively going to be trying to do really over the next three to five years or so is, uh, and then, you know, understanding what the demands are of council. I had to really think, can I do this? Can I do it all? I mean, when I started this whole thing two years ago, you know, and ran for office, I had a seven month old baby. I had um, a practice that I had only signed a lease on. I hadn't even seen my first patient. I actually started running for office before mm. I saw my first patient in my practice. We've been extraordinarily grateful to have a successful business down in Steel Creek. Way to line a- up your timing on all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, you know, I, we've, we've invested he's in He's a go-getter, a- but he's not a planner. <laughs> <laughs> we've invested in another practice in the university area, about 40% equity up there now. So so really about a practice and a half now. I have a second child now. Um, just when I look at the, the demands have on more the families. I mean, yeah, I mean, look at you, man. Look at you. You know, yeah, you're I'm doing saying, great. Man. I'm trying to be like you, man. Build the businesses, sell them off, and, and dress like you, and drive the you know drive the get, Porsche. Yeah, he's right? like, get, get overweight, <laughs> you know, stop stop working out, but, eat a lot. But it's a huge opportunity for my family. Um, huge huge opportunity for me, and hopefully, if the voters allow it, it would afford me the time to really come back and do this um, in a capacity like you do it, man. You know, as, as an old retiree. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. well, that's what I was going. That's Sonny. what I was going to get to. Uh, several people have asked me since you made that announcement. You are one of the folks uh, on council now that that I hear when they, people say, yeah, I really think he's got a future if he wants it in politics. And there was always the question of, well, he's, he's got a business and it's anchored here in Charlotte. Um, would he ever want to, you know, run for a seat in Raleigh, run for a seat in Washington, something like that? I think people saw that potential in you and still see that potential in you, but wondered if work would ever allow that for you. Do you think that um, either coming back to municipal government or state or federal government at some point would be something that would be of interest to you and would potentially – align with with your plans for your business uh, no question um for me you know i don't want to bend over people's mouths for the next 30 years um i want to i want to <laughs> that's be a weird to- way to say that <laughs> dentist joke that is a dentist <laughs> joke that's a weird so, way to say um, that <laughs> you know to, to be able to have a possibility of scaling a business and and what we send the dental industry not be chair side anymore um but still have revenue operating every day and coming in every day that's the, really the goal residual like a mob right? boss like a mob boss of teeth <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but I, in the corner of the I would love I would love to come back to to politics, whatever that might look like down the road. Senator, um, there's a lot of Senator unfinished Harlow. Business. I don't know. One I don't day, know. Uh, there's a lot of unfinished business. Um, Secretary in this of city, the Interior, in a lot Harlow? of places. That's um, fine. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's all larking there. Um, but you know, it's You'd be a good like it's health been, and human services guy. Sure, maybe something like that. You know, mm. I don't know if they've ever had a dentist as Secretary of Health and Human Services. Bingo. I like it. But I, I would love to come back. I think that 30 years old, this is just an opportunity of a lifetime for me. Uh, never in a million years that I think I'd be elected at, at 29. And um, retiring at 30. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. Check. Aging in place. Done. <laughs> Bingo. Do you think you've had an impact? I uh, mean, I, you know, all of uh, the three of us here right now have only experienced our one term right now. Feels like a long time. <laughs> There's no doubt there. Uh, yeah, this certainly has felt longer than two years or a year and a half. I don't we haven't know even the gotten smudgy feel right now. No, man, twenty I years. Mean, He's like ten times all like, of us. I'm, I literally am like I'm somewhat exhausted right now. Now maybe it's just because we just finished the budget sure, sure. season, and you know that's always tough. But like Smudgy's done and twenty budgets. <laughs> 
20. And, and because we got to answer those uh, constituent uh, issues, yeah. which he hadn't had in, in about oh, wow. a decade. That's, so. that's fair. It's that's a fair. lot harder to be a district rep than an at-large rep. There's Hands no doubt. Down. There's no doubt. Um, I think the only thing that might be easier is campaigning on a district level. Your map sure. is smaller. But yeah. once you're in office, I don't think a lot of people understand no. that the constituent the concerns that come to us that don't hit the at-large. Yeah. Uh, that's why at when, when several of my colleagues – at large soapbox on my rezoning that's right that i'm on the ground busting my tail on i don't have a lot of patience or sympathy for for their view right now which is quite honestly in my opinion probably just uh we'll save that, that seems, for another I, was episode. Say, that seems on top. I got very specific there so back to the question i asked you which is so how do you how do you feel that that harlow goes down in the history books of of the term of 2017 to 2019. I told the clerk, just give me a page down there in that those big, uh, you know, scrolls of Alexandria they have mm. downstairs on the mm-hmm. seventh floor. Uh, for me, you know, I, I campaigned on one kind of very specific message. It was around protecting senior citizens who were threatened by displacement, um, threatened by gentrification, and and I feel we've we've at least opened that can a little bit. Um, the aging in place program is is getting the city in the business of tax relief. Last year was more about being proactive, knowing what was coming down the line with the. Re- assessments and revals. We invested uh, you know, $750,000 into that. This year, another seven fifty. So it's a million and a half sitting right now um, waiting for senior citizens to take advantage of it and get some tax relief um, as these tax bills now will officially roll out July 1st now that the tax rates are set. And uh, so I'm, I'm really proud of that. I think there's a lot of benefit to everyone across the city, but particularly on, on the west sides and in District 2 where we're seeing a lot of you know, extreme growth and we're seeing any though, even though we have a revenue neutral tax, tax rate, almost everybody in those neighborhoods are going to still see tax increases. You know, what's crazy is um, I, I've lived through what I would consider like two, maybe three cycles of politics in this town. Larkin probably has two, um, where like 2003 to like 2005 or six, 2006 to 2010, and then 2010 and like to this period where like I being involved back then, Right when I was 27 and then 29, and then going away and then and doing business and then coming back, it's like you're like, oh yeah, you're like the old guard almost, <laughs> which is it's funny. But anyway, sure, looking sure. at all of our ages, but like I have a feeling you're going to come back as like a different level of the old guard, even if it's in a few years from now. And without the scarlet letter of a loss, I mean you'll be you still have a thousand uh, batting average. So bingo, you know most people step away from office and come back later. With at least one loss to their name, and over and like Tark, yeah, in his case too, he <laughs> huge loser. Thank, thank goodness for him. He uh, he, he knocked it <laughs> almost struck out third there. time because yeah, that third strike is usually that was going to be it. I promise. Um, well, and that's the thing. You know, you lose a couple races, and it's hard to come back. You go out on top, uh, as it were. And, yeah, and maybe people are maybe suddenly calling right your name when there's a big Senate yeah. opening or something. Well, you know, I, you know I, I've been blessed to have a lot of support, uh, social media, a lot of phone calls, a lot of text messages for folks saying, hey, you know, support your decision or, you know, support whatever in future endeavors and, you know, keep an open mind about about coming back. I do. I, I, I am glad that I'm leaving on my terms. You know, I think so often folks leave office is either through a loss or through a scandal or something like that. Um, and I'm happy to say that none of those things exist. Um, I think this will help, you know, that we 
know of. That we know of, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see what who manufactures what out here. But uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, it's going to give me some evenings back uh, with my family, my young boys, my wife, uh, who's made a lot of sacrifices for for me to allow me to what do up, this. Remy? Um, yeah, what up, Remy? That's right. Um, and and, Chan- and Chandler too. I, well, I don't figure Chandler listens to the podcast. Though. <laughs> I feel like Remy's old enough to listen to the podcast. This is true. This is true. Sometimes he clicks on the little government channel or turns on the Facebook. I said, look, just click here, man. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you know, we're not on the government channel. We're not right? on government channel right no. now. This is the government channel. So Justin doesn't listen no. to the podcast. No, definitely okay, not. Good. good. Good to know. <laughs> but, you know, getting my time back Thanks a little bit. And then I'm still going to stay on top of things, though. I still plan on being active, supporting a lot you what's have going to. on. You'll run all the committees. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finishing the term as the committee chair, getting a few more things through, hopefully. And, uh, and I, you know, I'll come down every now and then, holler at you guys during a public forum Grace or whatnot. With his come down. Yeah. Oh, hello, it's me, former give me, council member. Give me three minutes instead of Justin two, right? Marlo. I'll talk through the buzzer. <laughs> if I don't allow that. Well, we appreciate your service to the city. Look forward to continuing to serve with you. Hate that we will not be with you uh, up here next year, but uh, I know that the, the future holds good things for you both professionally and civically, and uh, it's been – I already knew you before this, but it's been a pleasure to get to spend an obscene amount of time with you the last two years, and uh, so we'll miss you, buddy. Hey, you guys too, man. It's been fun up here. Uh, we're still going to have some fun. Like I said, six months to go. Um, I'll watch you guys sweat or may, maybe sweat depending on what your campaigns look like or what opposition you got, but I uh, look forward to you know watching how this council yeah, changes. You know, I hadn't thought of that angle yet, but you've got a, a fist that's that's mighty good at door knocking, and you're not going to need to knock any in D2, so we need you roll on over to D1? All this, all this canvas Knock some here. doors, man. You know, it's a hot summer out here. So. Well, you can make phone calls. I'll send you a phone list. <laughs> Bingo. Gotcha. Thanks. I'll put you down as a yes. All right, everyone. Justin, Carlo, the doctor, the good doctor. Doc doctor. J. Hey, appreciate, appreciate you guys always. Man. One tooth at a time. One tooth and community at a time. Appreciate you. <laughs> All right, man. So, Larkin, what else do we have to talk so, about? Not much, but as Justin departs, we will, um, we will talk real quickly about the fact that as we plugged on an earlier episode, we had our town hall last week. It was on Tuesday, if I recall, and it was at the Neighborhood Theater. We had about 200 people come out and fill the main room at Neighborhood Theater to talk about the Music Everywhere initiative that we're involved in. We had a free concert afterwards with Sinners and Saints, a local band uh, that did an awesome job over on the side stage at Neighborhood Theater afterwards for about 100 folks. And uh, we heard from staff and citizens, most fun town hall ever. So uh, there should be a plaque for that, I think. But uh, we want to thank everybody who came out for that. If you didn't, but you're interested in that effort, definitely check out the music so everywhere you CLT your, website. Your takeaway was from all that, other than it being, quite frankly, just the most that, awesome town hall well, that we've ever seen. Just that there's an immense amount of energy behind cultivating and highlighting and, and really championing the music scene and music industry in Charlotte. I mean, I think you you kind of pulled the audience at the beginning, and there was a mix of people who are artists, a mix of people who run or manage ven- own or manage venues. There are people who are on the technical side, kind of behind the curtain in music production, uh, music, you know. Boatload of artists there, it, But it's it was a huge mix, and it, it goes to show that the music industry is not just the people who sing or play an instrument. It is yeah. far, far larger than that. Um even down to the bartenders that were working at neighborhood theater that night. They are in the music industry. And they are could, not musicians, you could, but you could see like, there's like, like basically any topic you could bring up in Charlotte that has a community to it. There's frustrations. There are different folks who are out there grinding it out every day who are, you know, 
in the midst of trying to solve for challenges and get support and do things. I've seen this in so many different fronts. FinTech. FinTech was exactly like this. It still is in some ways, but we've unified around it over these last couple of years. And that's really what we need to do with the music scene. I, I, I think that's absolutely clear to me after that event. And, you know, we've got all this, these, con- these bits of contact information and, and stuff from all the people who've joined us over this last year. And at that town hall, I think we really got to do a good job communicating with them. Yes. I'm encouraged with the, with all the energy, all the excitement, the number of people that, and, and I got a bunch of emails from people who couldn't make it, but were aware of it and really excited about it. Um, I think there is, there is that collective push to, to do something, to grow this scene. Um, you announced there's going to be a festival coming up in uh, early part of 2020, uh, a big outdoor multi-genre festival. I'm meeting with some folks tomorrow to do some site visits. Uh, a group that does some large music festivals in several other cities around the country is looking at Charlotte, and I'm taking them around to show them some sites in our city that I think would be uh, well-suited for that type of festival. So there's a lot of stuff in the works. Um, Charlotte Shout is going to continue to grow and evolve. Um, so I, I think we're on the right trajectory. There's also a really big collective energy about saving the Excelsior Club. And there's an exhibit that's opening up, I believe, later this week at the Charlotte Museum of History that explores some of the music venues that have been lost in our community, i.e. the Double Door and Tremont and others. So I would encourage anybody who's really got a, a heart for the history of, of music in Charlotte to go to the Charlotte Museum of History and check that out. Um, it's going to be really cool, and I think it opens this weekend. So a lot of good things happening in music in Charlotte, and I think it's only going to get better. Whammy. Uh, the, the one big ticket item we had on the agenda today was the budget, and we passed it, and we passed it unanimously. I mean... What more can you say? What more can you say? It was a great budget. The manager deserves a ton of credit. Um, we've worked on this budget for a year. <laughs> I mean, it's basically for a year. And um, I, I just, uh, you know, to be able to do all that stuff without having a tax increase is just a testament to the, to the manager and the staff. Quick lightning round. I'm going to go first so that you don't steal my answer, even though you already plugged it. Favorite thing about the budget, and I'm surprisingly uh, going to say – my favorite thing is that it's revenue neutral. No, I, that's I, my favorite thing. Well, that's why I had that. to go first. Don't you take that But we're from taking me. it for different reasons. Fine. You're the fiscal my conservative. And, and CMPD and then finishing off what we weren't able to get to in last year's budget, which was the top step 13 uh, officer pay and sergeant pay and um, and really kind of finishing off what many refer to as extra as extraordinary. extraordinary uh, uh, attempt to, um, to, to, to show our officers – um, that Our long-time listeners are having PTSD right now. Mm-hmm. It's 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 extraordinary. It is. Uh, what was my other one from last year? I had another word. I don't know. We'll think of it later. Thankfully, I forgot it. Um, yeah. yeah, mine was was that it was revenue neutral. And there's a lot of great things that we are there's a master doing with this this budget, and that we are spending money on, and I think in the right places and for the right things. I'd mentioned several times the importance for me of revenue neutral was not that I have some sort of predisposition to think that there's never a circumstance where we need to raise revenue and raise taxes. But when looking at the reval that was done for properties throughout this County this year, the impact uh, percentage wise was hardest. The hard people hardest hit were people in my district and they were not the most affluent people in my district. In some cases they were the least. And so it was older folks in established communities that have been disinvested, um, 
communities for a very long time. Suddenly now, just because of their proximity to uptown, their proximity to transit and other investments that are being made, uh, those values are going through the roof. And those people, um, in many cases, were, would not have been in a position to be able to stay in their communities if we'd have tried to jack up revenue on this, with this budget. And so we've got the Aging in Place program that Justin mentioned. That's That helps uh, elderly homeowners, but in many of these neighborhoods, not everyone would be eligible for that program either because of their age um, or if they are not an owner but are possibly a renter, which is the case in many, in many circumstances. So I, I was glad we were able to do that. Um, some people, it should be reminded, will – We'll see increases in their tax bills. Others might see decreases. Revenue neutral doesn't mean everyone's tax bill will be the same, but it means the city brings in the same total amount of money on property taxes, and it minimizes those negative impacts to uh, a lot of the most vulnerable communities in our city. So the fact that we were able to do so many great things in the budget and not raise revenue, I think, is a testament to the manager and to our staff. True. Are we still doing back and forth, or are we done? I'm good. I'm good too. I'm tired. And we got a really cool segment that we recorded earlier today yes. uh, that we're going to throw it to for segment two of this episode. Uh, they are probably still celebrating over at Bojangles Coliseum tonight. The Charlotte Checkers on Saturday beat the Chicago Wolves to win our first ever American Hockey League Calder Cup title. Uh, they brought the cup by t- earlier today. We had um, ourselves a drink out of it together. Uh, we did not, but we, we, we should have. We were down in the uh, in the recording studio in the basement with uh, the captain Patrick Brown, who has also been uh, spent some time with the Hurricanes during their playoff run this year, but finished the season with the Checkers with Checkers COO Tara Black and owner Michael Kahn. We had them down for a podcast interview and then took them up to the mayor's office, did some photo ops with the mayor holding the cup up, hoisting it above her head, and. Um, the cup was awesome. the The team is awesome, and it's been a really fun season to. Uh, to follow them, to get involved. And uh, if you didn't make it out this season, shame on you. But uh, next season, we're going to be right back at it, defending our championship. And uh, so listen to this interview and get psyched up about next year's defense of the Calder Cup championship. So let's go live to Tarkin Larkin, talking with the Checkers ownership and team. Welcome back to R&D in the QC. We have a first on the show today. We are sitting in the studio with a championship trophy, and that trophy would be the Calder Cup. The Calder Cup, Larkin, you're drinking out of it right now. What does it taste like? It tastes like victory. Like victory. Who, yeah. Who's with us in the studio today? So we have some people from the Charlotte Checkers. If you've been listening to the show the last couple of weeks, you've heard us talking about this amazing playoff run that our hometown team has had. And with us today, we have Tara Black, the COO of the Charlotte Checkers, Michael Kahn, the owner of the Charlotte Checkers, and the captain himself, Patrick Brown, uh, one of the players who helped bring us to victory in the Calder Cup playoffs this year. They won on Saturday over the Chicago Wolves in Chicago, and they are back here, and the trophy is sitting next to us, and it is magnificent. Let's go to the player first. How do you feel right now? Awesome. I mean, uh, this has been a great experience, and uh, you know, to share it with such a, a fun, awesome city and great group of guys, it's been an incredible experience. So what have you been doing since Saturday night? celebrating yes yeah um saturday night was a blast in chicago we had almost everyone had their families wives girlfriends there and a whole bunch of checkers fans traveled out there you could even hear a let's go checkers chant at the end in that chicago stadium so 
I mean, we had so much fun, and we've been continuing that since we got to Charlotte. And it really proves that Chicago really has nothing on Charlotte. I mean, it's a terrible place, <laughs> and now we've proved that we what are better at sports. Nothing, right? Exactly. You want ice hockey to come down to 90-degree weather. Boom. That's where it's played best. Yes. And you were playing a lot of it this past month. You got called up for eight games during the Carolina Hurricanes run in the NHL playoffs. How difficult was it for you to juggle switching back from team to team, switching back from series to series in terms of knowing your opponent, in terms of getting that uh, cohesion with your teammates? Uh, was that difficult or did that just give you more energy? It just comes down to living in the moment. You know, you got to take it day by day. You know, when you're in Carolina, when you're in Raleigh, you know, you prepare for those games and. You know, I check up on the boys. I check Twitter and make sure everyone's playing hard and doing well. And then when you're back in Charlotte, you're uh, getting a little bit more ice time all of a sudden and trying to contribute every way you can. Should we expect your time in Charlotte next year to probably be a little lighter? We're going to see you uh, in the Hurricanes jersey a little more next year? I hope so. That's we'll that's see. my fear of the fact that we've won this cup now. They're going to poach all our best players. No, I'm, I won't allow Michael, it. Michael, are you going to let that happen? Absolutely not. Yes! <laughs> let that happen. We're keeping them all. But I will also say... That's their ultimate goal yeah. is to play up there. And, you know, we take it as a compliment that the guys are getting prepared right down here to be able to play up there. And you could see the difference in our team when Patrick was up there. The first two rounds, yes, we won them, but we did play differently. When he came back, and I have to say this in front of him and to all of Charlotte listening, we could not have a better captain or leader on any sports team. This man, what he does is amazing. So, Michael, you have made a big investment in this team. You've spent a lot of time. What does it mean for you personally as the owner to have, you know, this now, this win, this Calder Cup sitting next to you, the the victory under your belt? Well, I don't know how much it means to me personally. I haven't really sat back and given that thought, but my goal when I got involved in this was to bring a championship to this city, the city of Charlotte. It even says that on my profile on the thing, that my ultimate goal was to bring an AHL championship. This is the best, biggest championship this city has ever won to date. Hopefully we'll see an NFL and an NBA championship one day, but right now this is it, and to be a part of it has been exhilarating. It has been one hell of a ride. Mm. So, Tara, one of the things that was so awesome about the playoffs was the fan support you got. And you and I talked throughout the playoffs. You guys had some games on short notice when games would, or series would go to game six or something and come back on a two-day's notice, and the fans would pack it out. You let me come make a fool of myself uh, with Coach trying to teach me how to ice skate earlier <laughs> in the playoffs, and he talked about the excitement that Bojangles Coliseum has brought back to the fan experience, back to the player experience. Talk a little bit about the fans and, and the impact that they had and what you all saw from them during this playoff run. Well, I think we've heard it a million times that this building is the loudest in the American Hockey League. It's a, it's an incredible building to have a have a, a hockey experience in. It's built to be able to hear the players on the ice and really feel like you're involved. And we organically, I know, obviously see all the analytics and the business data and, and organically filled our building without having to give any comps, which is tremendous at this time of year in a market of in the South, right? You typically think, oh, gosh, how are we going to do it? Um, and we are the lowest in comps in the American Hockey League with respect to um, getting them in there. So as soon as we started to make a run, um, our, our tickets were, were selling like wildfire. And in fact, if we would have had a third or a Thursday game this week, uh, that, that building was already almost sold out. So we got to do a lot of refunds. So. Why would you have allowed Larkin to do a promo video like you did? I mean, that was just a terrible, terrible idea. <laughs> he can't skate. He's very uncoordinated. The people love to see me fall. Is that <laughs> what we want associated with the checkers brand? Is that it shows, it shows 
the comparison how great the players are. No, I, it shows I, our willingness to allow anybody <laughs> right to, try to be a, to, yeah. to jump on the bandwagon and be a part Bingo, of the. Bingo, it's like a make a wish kind of thing. I actually <laughs> will say the reason the reason it's important the city council and especially in his district is representing is that it, you know it's roughly nineteen million dollars that y'all gave us to renovate that building for our return. So um, our commitment was to to do some great things on the east side and involve the neighborhoods over there and certainly get our our district leader over there um, um, pumping the tires. It's a historic asset that's been there for uh, over 60 years, and it was sitting empty before we came back, and now it's full every night. So that's that's one of the reasons. Quick question on the fan experience. Can we count on you all to extend the contracts of Aaron Dodge and Greasy Keys? Those two guys are awesome. Greasy Keys has got to be the best organ well, player in the Greasy NHL. Greasy will guarantee uh, we're going to extend the contract. Aaron. Uh... Oh, wow. I hope he doesn't listen. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Aaron. Uh, tried. Oops. Aaron is back on. He's hey. uh, he's been a tremendous addition to our fan experience. He's a great dancer. I hope he's listening. He's uh, he's just really animated, and we finally kind of found a fit that works for us. Yeah, and and Greasy Keys seems to be a fan favorite. I don't know if it's the uh, the bizarre name or the music or everything, but we even sat behind him the other night in the uh, I guess it was game two of the finals, and one of the people I was with requested Snoop Dogg, and on the next break he's playing Snoop Dogg on the organ. So this guy's very talented. The, the boys him. love that on the bench when he plays that. I mean, it's it's actually, uh, he does a really good job. Yeah. Yeah, he has a keytar too, which I, I can't say that any other organist in the any hockey building has a keytar that he whips out sometimes. It, it so. makes him mobile. He moves around the arena. He's playing the keytar. My wife's actually thinking about hiring him for my election night party this year to bring his keytar. I don't figure he can move the organ very easily, but <laughs> keytar concert at the uh, Vote Larkin campaign party this S- year. Assuming a victory, are you? Well, he'll, be the, he'll be playing the keytar either way. <laughs> A little well, bold. It'll just be a more upbeat song if I win. So what's next? What can we expect next? Anyone? As of the next couple of weeks, next couple of days. <laughs> I don't know. Next to interpret hours. that question as you will right now, whatever your uh, frame of mind we is. Have, we have our exit interviews with uh, Coach Felucci from 5 to 7. Our medicals, we meet with the doctors, things like that. Guys, kind of like a last you know, get-together at the rink kind of a thing. We'll get our equipment, see the trainers, uh, say bye to them. And then we've got this party at Bojangles, 7 yep. to 9. And then it's kind of, you know, keep the party going until guys will slowly start to leave the city. But we're going to try and make the most of it the next couple of days. And what about from a franchise perspective, Michael? What's next? Well, like any good franchise, we're going to look to do it again. Mm-hmm. Next and, year then. Well, yeah. Absolutely. And That'll uh, be the next time uh, they can let, do it. Let, let yes, me say correct. this, Perfect. too. We've created a nucleus. You know, look at hockey in general in the Carolina with what the Hurricanes accomplished this year, what we've accomplished. Mm. Hockey is thriving in North Carolina in the Deep South. That's true. And it should be noted that I mentioned how we expect that some of our players will get poached by the Hurricanes. But we also have a team one level under us in Florida that had a really successful year, too, that I'm sure we'll be getting some players from to help backfill that gap we'll get losing guys like Patrick possibly to the NHL that's true and we'll also be pulling from some of the Canadian junior leagues and all that plus Carolina I think has 10 or 11 draft picks this year Mm. too so uh, things are good for hockey in Carolina is probably the best way to sum it up now if we can take care of the talent the right way and all that uh, things should be looking up for both franchises over the next couple years that's awesome. Well, thank you all three of you for uh, what you've done to bring the championship to Charlotte and uh, to re-energize Bojangles Coliseum. We are super excited to have you here, super excited to uh, 
to get to lay our eyes on the cup. We were sitting next to this Calder Cup yeah. this entire interview. Amazing. And uh, and we'll look forward to next season. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. Good checkers. Thank you. Thank you.